Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. Run into Old Navy Saturday and Sunday for 50% off all Old Navy active styles for adults and kids. They're all 50% off. But hurry, it's Saturday and Sunday only at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 215 to 216 excludes in-store clearance and baby. When I had come down this hill, I had seen this creature cross the road. It would have ripped my locked door from my truck, extracted me from my vehicle, and there wouldn't have been a damn thing I could have done about it. This thing, I got to notice in its eyes. Its eyes was real, real evil, real sinister looking. You know, the look it was giving me. Welcome to Bigfoot Hotspot Radio, Sasquatch Chronicles. I'm your host, Wes, along with my brother, Woody, and researcher, author, and friend, William Jeffy. Let's start the show. Now, I know uh, last week a lot of people were asking, I had mentioned the comment of the Sasquatch Canada, the guy that got them burping the alphabet, saying his name, Mike, and... Uh, flower and a lot of people were asking me. I've gotten a lot of emails from people asking me what I was referring to and what uh, where they can find the audio. And I sent you both, Woody and Will. I sent you guys a copy of the audio. So I thought I'd, I'd play it on the show and get your guys' feedback on it, since I just kind of mentioned it last week. I didn't really get a chance to uh, to play it in between my that's tangents. Good. <laughs> that's a good idea. Let's roll with it. All right. So I'll play the. Uh, this is Sasquatch Ontario. Man, where's my Muppet music when I when I need it? <laughs> but I'll play this for you guys. Tell me what you guys think of this. As with previous visits, what this involves is another step forward and our first direct back and forth communication at this level. Uh, this is the first time that Nefetia has spoken with a direct response. The last two visits have shown some extremely exciting progress. Uh, we've learned that each visit brings more insight as they allow us a small step forward and more insight into their world. 
uh, while it doesn't always come out as intended, it's a, it's a very surreal feeling when you're standing there speaking directly with a Sasquatch. Uh, we're learning as we go, and, you know, this is unknown territory. It's an extremely unique situation. It's an incredible end to a year of activity that has grown with each visit, and we hope the next year continues uh, at this rate. How you doing, buddy? Oh, Nefertia, uh, can you please tell me? Oh, Yes, da, woo. I hope that's a good word. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Yes, da, woo. Thank you, my 
ีแต่ล่าสุดวันนี้คุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณคุณค
But unless you've got a film of one making those sounds, you can't say that's what's doing it. So he's really put himself out on a limb. I mean, and of course you can go on forever and ever and ever doing that. It's like the people who claim habituation. Well, we, we have these, you know, this group of creatures. We're friendly with them. We talk to them, you know, on and on and on, but we can't provide any proof. Really? I, you right. know, I, um, I just don't buy it. Yeah, it's a tough one to swallow. This guy puts out a lot of videos. He sure claims a lot, but the proof he that says, he provides. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it's been killing me. You know, he says that he can't get one on video, but it sounds like he's sitting in Sasquatch's lap while he's having a conversation with one. Uh, <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't understand that. And maybe he is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we won't go there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a hard one to swallow. I think if we had a uh, Sasquatch Chronicle hoax of the year, you know, maybe get this guy like a free psych evaluation on us. It would go to this guy. I would say retire, you know, but you know, he's already. What ticks me off about guys like that is I, I've spent, you know, more than four decades out hunting for these things and really busted my butt and spent a lot of time, a lot of equipment. I couldn't even begin to tell you how many thousands of miles I've covered. And some fool like this comes out and pretty much makes all of that nearly a waste of my time because he makes the subject look idiotic. That's got to burn your ass a little bit, Will. You know, you know, guys like that do they? They really they burn me up. You know, I, I you know, I'm pretty a pretty laid back guy most of the time. But you know, somebody like that, I like to, uh, you know, pretty much shove my foot up their ass because they make all the work that I've done look foolish. Because yeah. that's what the media focuses on, and I think the media ought to be chastised. The ones that pay attention to that crap because it's garbage. And the people who are on the fence, you know, whether they they're not sure if they exist or not, they hear stuff like this and they're like. This is a joke. Yeah, exactly. When there's so much really great information out there, you know, collected for so long, and it only takes one piece of garbage like that to, uh, you know, throw a cloak over the whole subject when nobody wants to pay any attention to it. Yeah, that's what I was saying. You know, he had one that they were, like, burping the alphabet, and I was just like, really? And then he put this one out, and he claims there's orbs. These orbs show up every time Bigfoot shows up. Someone already shot that down and said they're not orbs. They're, it's snowflakes coming down, and then when he snaps a picture, the flash, you know, creates that. that right, the light bounces back off the snowflake. I mean, just listening to this guy, he he's real shady with his answers when people ask him questions about anything regarding this site or this habituation site. I mean, he's just really, really shady about his answers on anything. He's, he tries to be real... You know, he'll talk all day long about how wrong it is to shoot one, and, and this is why he's doing it. But when it comes down to any sort of details or getting down to uh, anything regarding the situation, he's real shady on his answers. And uh, it just screams hoax to me. The whole thing just screams hoax to me. Yeah, no, I, I have no doubt that it's hoax. It's, it's even a bad hoax as a thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's not even a, it's not even a good hoax. It's a, it's a pretty bad one. Try to figure out why he, why someone would do that. You know, there's been a lot of hoaxes in 2013. I mean, I could probably name 10 off the top of my head, but um, I, I just don't understand the mentality, the mindset of wanting to do a hoax, you know, of wanting to put something out there that you know is BS, and eventually people will find out it's BS. I, I just don't get it. But, you know, it's, it's all about attention. It's not about the hoax or being found out. You know, they they get the attention and even negative attention in psychological terms, 
you know, depending on what that person thrives on, their stress levels, things like that, uh, there are people that will thrive off negative uh, feedback, you know, as well as positive. So, you know, he's probably just one of those people that that's where his comfort level is, is whatever kind of BS he can delve into and, and throw out there, he's getting attention for it. So, you know, he's meeting whatever need that he has psychologically. Yeah, speaking of hoaxes, what would you guys think of, uh, looking back at 2013, what did you think of the uh, Melville Ketchum's DNA study? There was 113 uh, <laughs> usable. Where do we start? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what do you What do you guys uh, both think about that? You know there was over half a million dollars spent on that, too, by the way. I'm not surprised. Before we you know, would go into any kind of details, it's probably not a bad idea, but in this subject there's been so many – all these people that have come along all these years, somebody will come up with something, and it's it's almost like a sideshow. Bottom line is, well, let me back up a little first. When I mean sideshow, I mean things like, remember back when Dermal Ridges was the heyday, you know, the subject. Everybody talked about Dermal Ridges and how that was going to prove the Sasquatch was real. And it didn't. You know, before that, of course, Patterson film and tracks and all the different aspects of it. And DNA is just another one. For my first book, Notes from the Field Track in North America Sasquatch, I interviewed an expert in that area about sampling hair and DNA and things like that. And one of the things he told me was that when you'll hear people jump on the bandwagon all the time, a hair sample is, is tested and it comes up unknown. Well, they they make the bridge to Bigfoot. And he told me, he says, when it's unknown, it's unknown. We don't know what it is. It's not. You know, it doesn't match anything. So it's it's nothing. There's nothing that matches it. And he said, basically, a hair sample, you have to take samples off a known sample to compare them to other things. You can't just, you know, throw them in a bunch of chemicals, test them, and voila, you have Bigfoot. You know, it doesn't work that way. So that's the first problem with her whole DNA thing was all these samples were sent in. Heaven knows where these samples came from, what they came from. There's no way to prove them because none of them was actually taken off directly off the body of a Sasquatch, put in, you know, some kind of a, a sterile receptacle, and then taken to the lab. There was, you know, uh, you know, if you were able to do that, you wouldn't need to do the DNA test. You'd have the body. So uh, that's the first problem. There was no control over the collection. You know, then we go down the rabbit hole, you know, with Melba Ketchum herself. You guys know that and I don't know if it's still up there, but you can go on the Better Business Bureau site, and her company rated F with the Better Business Bureau, and I, I believe there was some litigation pending against her for shoddy work. There's the second problem. Third problem is she was she claims she has a habituation site on one of her properties, and I don't recall if it's in Texas or Virginia, one of those places. And then when I when I got to the part digging into this about where she claimed that she was mentally and or physically raped by multiple Sasquatches, that was enough for me. I knew she was Looney Tunes as hell, and that was never going anyplace. And, of course, it didn't even go to peer review. And what people don't understand when you talk about, all she was trying to do is write a scientific paper, which really doesn't mean a squat in the world of science. And it didn't even go through peer review. So that tells you right there it was a failure. So everybody who touts all that stuff are really fooling themselves. Yeah, the thing with Melba that kind of threw me off was even before it got to the all of to that point, her story on what Bigfoot actually was kept changing. Yeah. I was like, okay, you're, you're losing me, Melba. You're losing me. And then she went to where it's a um, God. I can't even think of what it, what it was. She said it was. Um, 
a lemur. She said it was a lemur. And then she said it was, you know, possibly possibly angelic. So there's possibly angelic roots to these to the DNA study. And it just kept changing and changing. And like you said, well, when she got into, hey, I was mentally raped by Bigfoot, um, I she just lost me there. I mean, it's, it had nothing. Her DNA study could have been right on, but the whole circus that evolved around her and around all of the stories that were leaked from her, then her story kept changing. I mean, her DNA study kind of became irrelevant at that point just because she just kept saying one crazy thing after another. You know, Wes, I think you kind of hit it, too. I think the most important thing, the the biggest point that both of you guys brought out is what Wes said. It was it was the biggest circus. And the problem is with that, it gives people like Will that have been in this in, for four decades uh, a bad name when they've taken something like this serious. And here again, we have somebody saying they've been raped by, you know, mentally raped by Bigfoot. Uh, there was so many holes in, this, in her story. Uh, and there's a lot of wasted money. Think of Think if someone gave us $500,000, what we could do with it. You know what I mean, guys? Uh, yeah, we'd go out and prove they were real. We would go out, yeah, we would go out and do something with it. That's the saddest part of the whole thing. It was a circus and it was a big, fat F as far as I'm concerned. I wish someone would give us some money, but let's go prove it, you know? And, you know, it's funny. Every time something like this has come along in probably the last 30 years, I, I started out watching the Inden and Green do this whenever somebody would claim it was always something imminent or capture is imminent or or something is imminent they'd always say that's crap but nothing's going to happen and every single time and then when they stopped doing it i started doing it i'd say something would come along and i said you know don't even pay attention it's worthless it's not going anywhere and every single time when this came along everybody was asking me well is this going to prove bigfoot's real i said no and a few people got a little excited when I when I said that at first, but I, you know, explained that for me, you know, and knowing a little bit about science, interviewing an expert in those areas, you know, knowing that when there's a breakdown in that chain of, of custody of proof, you know, they can't can't verify any kind of a source for a sample, then it could be anything. And then we're talking contamination and aging and all kinds of factors. Uh, and even if they did have 100%, you know, genuine Sasquatch hair in there, you know, if it did come back unknown. And what's interesting, you mentioned the lemur. I, I know where she got that. That came from, I don't know, it was John Napier, somebody back in the early 70s, an uh, anthropologist who talked about the, uh, hair samples that were examined back then. And they said the closest the hair came to was lemur hair. But they were unable to identify it beyond that. You know, I, I think she was just borrowing from obscure references, old references, things that people today, you know, because people today, heavens, you know, they, they don't want to look at anything older, you know, for comparisons. You know, she, I think, embellishes a light term to use in her case. As a side note, well, just so you know, Wes, I told you the other day, I actually was in contact with Melba a little bit on Facebook, and she declined an interview. Imagine that. You know, I offered my services to help her last year, and at first she was okay with that. She was, you know, and then I never heard another word out of her or her team. So I, and it's, I knew they, I felt that they wouldn't want me involved in it because I would have blown it apart very quickly. You know, that's the problem with some of these hoaxers is they, you know, they sure don't want to get somebody involved that knows what they're talking about because, you know, their little uh, house of cards gets knocked out pretty fast. 
I would agree with that. You know, and the other thing with 2013 is, uh, and I don't want to even give him that much airtime, but Rick Dyer, you know, I hope in 2015 when people, when he comes out and says, hey, I shot another Bigfoot, I hope people look back at 2008, 2013, and see what this guy's doing. I mean, this guy's made his living off of doing this, and uh, I hope I know the Bigfoot community kind of has a short-term memory, but I hope they stop and and look. I think the the community itself's getting better with hoaxes. It seems like I know with the last couple that have come out, it seems like the community calls them out pretty quick on it, you know, and and that's something new that I haven't seen before in the short amount of time I've been involved. I think people are getting fed up with all the BS. It's, it's even like, you know, the groups that are out there. I mean, we, we've talked about television shows and things like that. You know, they, they put the lightweights out there doing things. I think if, you know, like when you mentioned about us, somebody giving us money or putting us on television or doing something serious with the subject, I think they'd find out where the heavyweights were right away. And, uh, and that's what people want. I think that's one reason our show is very popular is because, you know, we don't sugarcoat things and we hit these subjects right on the head, call them for what they are. And people, in my experience, that's what they want. They don't want to be, you know, they, they're a little turned off if they're hoodwinked. If you tell people the truth, you know, that resonates with people. And if you know what you're talking about, and, and some of these guys, like, you know, I don't don't know Dyer myself, but some of the things I've heard about him are not real good. And I know a few people that have told me they'd like to punch him in the mouth, but... Yeah, you know, he's he's one. Now, he was involved in the uh, the Georgia hoax, wasn't he, with the Bigfoot suit in the freezer? Yeah, with Tom yeah. Hardy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was. So, you know, he's he's a candidate for the Hoaxer of the Year Award, too. I will say, yeah. though, I think, I, think, I think part of it is, too, that people are becoming more apt to say what their thoughts are. I don't think the whole Rick Dyer thing is going to happen again or anything like it without someone coming out and saying, hey, you're full, you're full of baloney. You know, it's more acceptable today, it seems like, for, you know, Bigfoot is a real thing. You know, it, it, is, it is a real creature, and I think it's more acceptable to come out and speak your mind and give your opinion on that. So I don't think this whole crap that's like this Rick Dyer thing will happen again or anything like it. Well, I'm sure it will, but there's more people out there today that have a better opinion of saying you're full of, you're full of crap. Yeah, you know, and I, I applaud those people. Everybody should come out. If they think something is crap, they should come out and say it. In the old days, when the old-timers were in charge of all this stuff, you know, Dehenden Green and the rest of them, none of these kooks would come out and say anything without fear of one of those guys or multiple, you know, Green, Dehenden, all of them, pouncing on them. You know, I, I've been in Renee's presence many times when he would, you know, I'd tell him something I heard, and he would pick up the phone immediately and call that person and just tear him to pieces. Uh, Green was a little more political, but he'd do the same thing. So, um, you know, they it used to be they would call these people on crap, and for many years that stuff didn't happen. But when those men, you know, got to be old and sort of dropped out of the picture, you know, all these new people come along. And I, I knew when they were gone, this stuff would be rampant. So it's refreshing to see you know, some of the people now speaking out and calling them on this stuff. Yeah, it is, and we need more of it. Did you see that? Um, I was going to send it to you, Will. I haven't got a chance to send it to you or Woody, but this recent flooding in Alberta, Canada, exposed a um, kind of a rotting carcass. And this, Really? Yeah, this paleontologist, Wally Johnson, he did a preliminary site examination of this carcass that was exposed due to this flooding. 
and uh, he says it's Gigantopithecus. Interesting. Well, yeah, I'll throw it up on Facebook. See what happens with that. Yeah, I'm kind of curious if that anything comes of that. You know, in 2014, you know, he's coming out saying that this is Gigantopithecus. That you know, all the all the cryptic guys are saying it's Bigfoot, but he's coming out saying no, it's it's ancient, it's Gigantopithecus. Who knows what it could be? But uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. You know, due to the flooding, it washed this body out, and now they're examining well, it. Yeah, what's interesting too is if if it is a Gigantopithecus, uh, those were a Southeast Asia giant hominid, so there wasn't hadn't been any proof before that they were on this continent. So that would be a very interesting, you know, and you know the Sasquatch could be you know related to the Gigantopithecus. So it's very interesting if that creature is one. Can't wait, can't wait to find out what it is. No, I was just going to say, just uh, you know, if, if that does prove out to be a Gigantopithecus, it just helps bring a little more credibility to our subject. Yeah, it does. It, it does It does bring a lot of credibility. I wonder why this isn't making front-page news anywhere. But Yeah, that's um, weird, isn't it? I mean, that ought to be... Ought to that be might be a reason. Yeah, you would think that would be big news. Did they say that... Did they? I, Ian West, you showed me the article, but I didn't get a chance to follow me through it. What was the reason for thinking it was a Gigantopithecus? What did they... What made them make that decision? Uh, it was a paleontologist that was on the site kind of reviewing the site and doing the preliminary uh, excavation on it and examining the body and really going through trying to, you know, creating a, um, trying to figure out what this thing was. And he's the one that came to the conclusion that this is Gigantopithecus. It's one sitting in the Canadian Rockies. You know, that should be huge. I mean, there's only been four jaws found and a few dozen teeth in, in Southeast Asia. So for something like that to be in Canada is incredible news. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. But I threw the link up on Facebook if, if people want to uh, to review it. You know, I came across, across an article, too. One of the stories I found fascinating for 2013 was this guy. I don't know if you guys heard about it. This guy out in uh, Nevada had a trailer, and he wanted to live off of – he wanted to live off-grid in his trailer, a place to go to where he can, you know, kind of get away from everything. And you know those trailers they they put on backs of trucks. They're uh, I forget what they're called, but it's an actual trailer. It sits in the bed. It's a huge huge uh, mobile trailer that you can actually sit in. Yeah, he had yeah, I know he had one of, yeah he had one of those sitting out in the middle of this plot of land that he bought in the middle of nowhere. And he came back, had it all set up, came back two days later, and the whole trailer had been tipped over on its top. Good Lord. And he couldn't figure out what the heck was going on. So it took four four guys to actually put it back upright. And they put it back upright, and uh, he was examining the area. He saw footprints that day, but, you know, he didn't really think about Bigfoot. He's not a Bigfoot believer. And came back a week later, and it was tipped upside down again on its top. He couldn't figure out why or who, why someone would come and actually tip his trailer upside down. Uh, because it's literally in the middle of nowhere. And he ended up setting up cameras. And so I'm kind of curious to see if he catches something or someone tipping it upside down. But it made me think of one of my most favorite encounters. I wanted to play one of them for you guys. This happened off of Ape Island. And it's a guy sitting in his trailer. And a Sasquatch starts tipping his trailer in the middle of the night. Take a listen to this. Tell me what you guys think of this. I thought it was a myth or uh, 
I had no belief in any of that at all. Um, that night made me a believer. For outdoorsman Ted's story, myth became reality after a violent encounter one night while sleeping in his motor home in the middle of Vancouver Island. shook violently about it listed 30 degrees or so I, I would anticipate that the tires just about came off the ground startled Ted realized something very large was rocking the motorhome and it was standing right outside the window I could see the spectrum of this creature and it was standing on two legs for sure and it had two two upper limbs and it was extremely hairy matted hair Ted jumped to his feet and ran outside without thinking the smell in in the air was a very stenchy, strong, almost dead fish, but musky. It was very, very prominent. I got to the tree line where the firelight had stopped. So basically it was where I was looking into blackness and I'm lit up. That's when I could hear the footsteps of this creature stop as it knew I was there. It was very still and very quiet and very eerie knowing that something's right there or somewhere close by looking at me. Then I thought about how crazy I was after I'd gotten out. I was like, I have no way to defend myself. Ted retreated inside the mobile home without seeing the creature again. The experience left him shaken. I'll never camp there again unless I'm in a motorhome. I will never sleep in a tent in Strathcona Park as long as I live. It's interesting. The guy in Nevada, a researcher, came out, and he was speculated that possibly a Sasquatch had tipped over his motorhome or you know trailer trying to get to the grubs and the insects underneath. But listen to that encounter. You wonder what, why, you know, you wonder about the behavior. Why would it do something like that? You know, it kind of reminds me of uh, Rebecca Butello's story also. Remember when she talked about going into the trailer and the, and the thing shaking it? Uh, and I've investigated a couple of incidents out north of uh, Stevenson where there was a couple of small cabins out there that were shaken. Uh, and even the story, remember, um, we had on one of the shows with the guys who were in the cabin in, I want to say it was the Rockies, Colorado. You know, so they, they seem to do that occasionally, and, and you're right about the behavior. It's got to be, you know, it's a little more than going after grubs under the trailer. Uh, they wouldn't expend that much energy for something, you know, with that little bit of yield. Yeah, you're right. It does remind me of the uh, the encounter out in Colorado and Rebecca Batello's. You wonder if maybe the Sasquatch is trying to get some entertainment, having the guy run out. You know, I mean, why do that? You that's, know what I mean? That's kind of... That's what I was thinking. Is it a, well? My first question was: Was it is it a curiosity thing? But then, well, you had said uh, just just a few seconds ago. You said, "Why would one expend? Why would a Sasquatch expend so much so much energy, unless it was for a meal?" You know, right? I mean? You know, Sasquatch is very, I would say, a very lean creature when it comes to food intake versus expenditure. You know, they don't do anything frivolously. Everything they do, all their behavior is geared around survival. You know, when they expend some energy, it's for a reason. It's not, you know, it's not to go after a handful of grubs. That's not going to sustain. I mean, it, it wouldn't make any sense. No animal does anything like that. There's there's another reason why it's doing something like that. What that reason is, we don't know, but uh, it's certainly very interesting, and it's very telling. 
Yeah, it made me think that maybe they're breaking it. Maybe it was rocking it to see if someone was in there, and if not, maybe go bust into it. I mean, that's yeah, kind maybe they're checking the reaction of the people. You know, what what they're going to do is it something I can attack? Is it going to you know flee from me? There's a lot that goes on at that Vancouver Island. They call it Ape Island, but there's I have another encounter for you guys from that island regarding fishermen. But I wanted to play this other one from Alaska. What I found kind of fascinating about this, you know, we talk about people's behavior. And we talk about Sasquatch's behavior. But as you listen to this next encounter, kind of listen to the behavior of the grizzly bear. My name is Thomas Fisher, and I have seen Sasquatch. I live in Ketchikan, Alaska, and I fish salmon for a living. I could actually paint my windows black and run on the radar. boat, Thomas Fisher has a front row seat to the edge of wild Alaska. There's places here where man has never been. It's just him in. I don't know. I think there's probably lots of things out there in the brush we don't know about. Yacobi Cove, southeast Alaska. Thomas Fisher anchors his boat. He is done for the day. I had a deckhand, his name was Oliver, a young guy. We anchored up for the evening. On a beach close by, Alaska's most ferocious predator is hunting. And we were watching a big grizzly bear on the beach about 100 yards away. And the bear had been there for a long time, and he wasn't afraid of us or nothing. The grizzly is a monster. Thomas keeps a wary eye on the massive beast from the safety of the boat. The bear was huge. I saw him a couple of times before. I'd say the bear was at least 11 feet. Thomas watches the grizzly for over 10 minutes when all of a sudden the bear's behavior changes. The bear freezes, seeming to sense danger. One of the world's most feared predators does something rarely seen. Runs away, fast. I think something really scared this bear, you know, he, he, I mean, it was flat moving when he hit the brush. He didn't just amble off, he was just gone. Never seen a bear act like that before. What could make Alaska's alpha predator turn and run? Off on the left side, this black object came out, which I thought at first was a bear. But it wasn't. It was walking on two legs like a man. And like the grizzly, this predator is not afraid of Thomas. And I walked about 50 yards out and just stood there and looked at us for about 15 seconds. Thomas is now face to face with a creature he has never seen, despite his 45 years in Alaska. It wasn't a bear because a bear cannot walk or run standing up. I knew it wasn't a bear. He said it looked just like a man, only it had hair. There's a lot of difference between looking at a man and a bear. 
you know, and this thing had all the features of a man only, it was all here. And it was huge, it was at least nine foot tall. The encounter is brief. It was a Bigfoot, just as plain as day. And he stood there probably 15 seconds, and then he ran about 100 yards into the timber. He did it so fast, it was just amazing. My deckhand looked at me and I looked at him and said, what the heck did we just see? And we said, a Bigfoot. And Oliver, my deckhand, said, well, I'm not telling anybody. To this day, Fisher's deckhand will not speak about what he saw. But the old fisherman is very clear about the events of that evening. I definitely saw Sasquatch. And I'll stick by that till the day I die. Nobody will ever change my mind. Most people don't understand grizzly bears don't run. It's hard to startle a grizzly bear. Yeah, I've always loved that story. That's uh, pretty telling about who the top of the uh, food chain is. Well, it's kind of on the same topic, but maybe a little bit off topic. But, uh, Neil, did you ever see that interview of Les Stroud in Alaska? He was actually no. was on the, it was on the Joe Rogan show. Apparently, he came across uh, a couple Sasquatches in Alaska. So I didn't know if you heard of that or not, but it was a pretty good interview. Maybe one of these times we'll play it on the show. Yeah, no, I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah, it made me think of our encounter. You know, remember what he was saying, how it was dead silent. There was no forest noises. There was no nothing. I guess you can kind of see why after listening to that encounter, having the grizzly bear tick off running. Yeah. Everything gets like quiet. You, and like you said, you know, uh, or actually, the, I believe it was the fisherman that said it. It's, it was the alpha. He's like the alpha omega of of uh, Alaska, so he really shouldn't be, you know, uh, scared of anything. But apparently there's there's always someone bigger and badder than you are. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's interesting, bear behavior. I am pretty familiar with, with bear, you know, hunted and been around bears for many years. Uh, one of the areas that I do my field work in, there's a lot of bear in there, big black bear in there, you know, four 400-plus pounders. Every other place I've ever been to, and I find a lot of, I sort of find a lot of the Bigfoot droppings and, and other markings and things. Bear in that area during the summer months when these things are in their feeding are scared to death. Uh, they see something that looks remotely like a man. And I, I, we almost hit one one night uh, driving back to our camp. The thing was paralleling the SUV we were driving in, and it ran right directly out in front of us. We came with inches of running the thing over. And uh, we couldn't figure out what in the world scared that bear to the point. Now, it was running parallel. There was a, a road that went parallel next to the one we were on. And then it, it joined the road. So the bear come just, it was already at a dead run as it, it came up by us. It was just, uh, you know, kind of a mouth opener that makes you think, wow, what scared that bear into almost being, you know, run over by a car? Yeah, that's, the, I mean, that's the first thing I thought of, too, when I heard that guy's encounter. Uh, and there's another one from Alaska I didn't get a chance to load up and, and queue up for the show. I thought about loading up that uh, Les Stroud one that you're talking about, Woody, but uh, I didn't get a chance yeah, to. That's I, a pretty good one. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good one. Uh, it, uh, for those out there that don't know who Les Stroud is, uh, he's the survivor man. He does all the – goes out in the woods apparently – or no, woods, different parts of the world, different countries, and uh, survives with nothing but pretty much a – usually a knife and himself and some cameras and some, somehow always makes it home. So for for somebody with this, this caliber that uh, has seen different parts of the world, been in the middle of nowhere, 
to uh, actually be scared for his life, which has probably seen many grizzly bears, but one of the biggest things that ever scared him the most was uh, a Sasquatch encounter. So it's a pretty good interview. If you get a chance, Will, you should check it out. Yeah, I will. That sounds interesting. And I know James, uh, a listener, sent us that email with a question about, you know, if a lot of the pot growers out there come across Sasquatch. And I think it's a, it's a good question. I mean, I bet a lot of those guys do have stories, but I highly doubt they'll come out and say, you know, they had an encounter based on what yeah, they were doing. Want a bunch of they wouldn't want a bunch of Bigfoot hunters roaming around their uh, pot fields. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm willing to bet a lot of those guys haven't had encounters, though, you know? I would think so, yeah. I mean, if they're, you know, in pretty remote areas. We should try and I get remember one for the show. I used to, uh, <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice if somebody, you know, if they could call in and, and be anonymous. And yeah, that's something I always tell witnesses, you know, if they want, want their names and locations and everything to be anonymous, I always guarantee people that, so. Even if you're a drug lord, you can come on the show nameless. <laughs> it, it would be an interesting angle, you know. I mean, yeah, we could. Sure, we'll, uh, you know, how, how good it'd be for business. Of course, you know, wouldn't hurt them if they're not, you know, nobody knows who they are. But then the question is, if they're using their own product, did they really see something? Or is that a, a product of this, uh, right. product of their product? <laughs> cred, cred, credibility. Credibility. Exactly. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Not in your own stock, we might buy it, but yeah, cause it, cause and effect. That's what we call it. <laughs> yeah. No, the last encounter I want to play for you guys is it made me think. The last one is from Ape Island, and it's a fisherman talking about their encounters on seeing one, and it made me think. You know, this might be a good way to kind of look for Bigfoot from a boat pulling into some of these inlands uh, at night. You might come across. I mean, if you if you think it's an area to where they would be, it might be a good way to to actually get them on film. So well, you know, Bob Titmus had his sighting that way. Oh, did he? He did, yeah, and it was Vancouver Island. I don't remember exactly the details, but uh, he was up there, saw the Sasquatch, I want to say near thigh deep in the water. It saw him, walked out of the water, he cast the tracks, and then his boat sank. So he lost the tracks, but uh, yeah, that that's exactly how he saw one. Yeah, I know Woody's getting up in age, and he's kind of getting out of shape. So, I mean, this might be a good way for us to go out and look for Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. I'll take you any day, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, listen to this last one, guys. Tell me what you guys think of this one. The crew of this fishing boat was traveling along the isolated eastern coast of the island. Well, a few of us decided to go to Village Island and, you know, fish for crab and prawns and that. I was cooking crab out on the back deck, chowing on it, and, you know, just having fun. Then they noticed something very unusual. That particular day, there was no wildlife, no nothing. And previous days before that, there was bears, there was birds, there was all kinds of wildlife there. I thought it was a bit strange, but never really thought too much about it. And the one thing that, as soon as he got into that bay, the wind was blowing, and the smell that came out was phenomenal. I've never smelled anything like it in my life. When darkness fell, the source of the smell suddenly appeared on the shoreline. Me and Tom went up on top of the bridge of the same boat. We flicked on the spotlight. 
as it came out of the bush, right on the point, the, it was crouched down and it was hiding from the spotlight. And these big, long, elongated red eyes, you know. The body was human-like. There's, there's no denying that. It's probably nine or ten feet tall. And weight, I don't know, probably 400 pounds. They watched the massive creature for almost an hour from the safety of their boat. It was kind of an eerie feeling. I'm an avid hunter. I've seen bear, I've seen cougar. I've, you know, I know for sure it was not a bear. One of the fishermen had his gun nearby, but he was not tempted to take a shot. The native legends say that if you ever did harm one of them or shot one of them or whatever, that uh, within seven years you would die. There's no way. I mean, once I realized what it was, I would never, never even consider that. It was getting darker and the moon came up, and then as he walked around into the bay, and, uh, you know, it took his time, and then he crouched down and grabbed some cockles, and he could hear him break them open and then start eating away at these cockles. Suddenly, the creature disappeared from view. It took him three start strides to do like 30 yards. It just, bam, bam, gone into the bushes. Like, wow, I can't even walk that fast. Well, that's interesting. I mean, again, you know, people from a boat uh, seeing one like that. I'd be a little concerned since they're such good swimmers. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, I thought about you know that one, too. You know, one thing I, I thought was kind of cool, Wes, is if you guys remember the interview with Brenda Harris, she had brought up the... Uh, point if you shoot a Sasquatch within seven years you die, and I think that's a isn't that an old like Native American thing or something or is that something there, there, that they it depends or? on what Indians you're talking about. Um, you know, it could be anything. Even you're not even supposed to look one in the eye uh, without something bad happening. So, and it, so you know, again, it goes back to uh, you know what experience that tribe or or group or even a family or an individual has had with the creatures. I mean. You know, as far as interpreting, but yeah, that that is one, and I can't remember which tribe that's from, but that is one of the uh, sayings. And then also, I also enjoyed uh, how they explained how fast it moved. You know, within I think what you say within thirty yards, it, it within three steps, it moved approximately thirty yards. And uh, for anybody that's actually seen a Bigfoot, I I don't know that's probably pretty close to what. Of course, the one that we saw jump across the road was probably a total of 30 feet, and I did it in one step. But uh, for anybody that's seen a Bigfoot, that's, you know, they do move like that. They're very quick. Very quick. Yeah, you're you're never going to outrun one. Uh, I have a, a comical situation. My friend John Adams, my first encounter, we were, when we first found tracks on encounter, the first time we found tracks back in 1972, my friend John, whose house we were on our way to, John and I went down. He wanted to see where uh, Renee De Hinden and John Green's camp was that I spent you know, a few days at in 75 that summer. So this is after Green and them had left. So we drove down there, and, of course, that was, you know, at the time of the Puyallup Screamer events. So we drove down there with his brother, younger brother, Jeff. We parked the car, and we, and it, uh, this was after dark, so we had a, fly, a couple of flashlights. We walked along the trail. Now, this was on an old uh, gas pipeline access way through the timber. We didn't see anything. We were talking quietly. We thought, well, maybe we'll see something. You know, we were young. 18, so we didn't know a hell of a lot, or 17, we were 17 then. So we were walking along there, I, we had our lights off, and I told John, I said, well, you know, 
know, just once in a while we'll, we'll stop, we'll turn the lights on, take a quick look, and then turn them off, you know, see if we can spot something. On one of these trips, now we were probably 100, 150 yards from the car, I was bringing up the rear of our column, and I shined the light across into the end of the tree line, and I thought I saw eye shine. So I turned the light off, and I, I whispered to the guys, I said, I think, I think I saw eyes over there. We waited a minute, and then we turned both the flashlights on location, and the brush just exploded. Something took off running, and it was just exactly the way they explained. And we went boom, 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 and it was, it took about seven steps. You know, you could hear crashing through the brush and these loud steps, and it ran probably, you know, 100, 150 feet or so. I mean, it was a long way. And what scared us was when it stopped. And I told the guys, you know, because we were afraid it was going to come back. And we were that far away from the car, so we, I said, well, maybe we better get back to the car. And I said, don't run. If we take off running, then maybe it will chase us. So we we took, like, you know, three steps and then broke into a blind run in sheer terror for the car. <laughs> we got to the car, John and I hop in. We leave his brother Jeff outside, and, you know, it's like, um, you know, the movie Poltergeist where they're trying to get the car started and they can't get the keys in it, and we finally get the car. And, of course, John's brother's outside beating on the car, screaming and crying. <laughs> <laughs> I think we drove maybe, you know, three feet, and John remembered he had to stop and let his brother in, but, you know, we are pretty sure that it was it was one of the Sasquatches there just by the sound. You know, you could tell it was it was two legs and something massive just bulldozing its way through the brush there. Yeah, and you're saying it didn't take off. It just took it moved to a different area and kind of sat there. Or do you yeah, think it, it took it, off? It ran from our our right to our left, and then it stopped. And it was that was the holy crap moment. It's like okay, it stopped. Now what's it going to do? If it would have kept running, you know, we would have been okay with that. But uh, but it stopped, and we figured, uh oh, you know, it's going to turn around and come back. I mean, Woody and I were talking earlier, and you know, we're always trying to improve the show, always trying to make it more interesting for people to listen to and one of the ideas i had for an upcoming show what would be kind of a cool idea is if we actually did our show from a habituation site have me and woody go out there and uh you know idea yeah i mean how cool would that be i don't know if anyone out there has a habituation site you can shoot us an email at uh bigfoothotspot at gmail.com but it hopefully in washington state but that would be kind of cool to shoot, actually do a show from a habituation site, and so we could talk about what's going on. And I mean, you imagine doing a show from Yakult, Yakult Mountain back in the '89. Oh, How cool would that? Have that been? would have been something, huh? Yeah, that would be that would be something. I don't know, live on scene, right? <laughs> uh, but I know. I know we got a lot. Do we have? Do we do we have to get a, a tank or anything to get you out there again, Wes? Or you know, <laughs> do we need some armored vehicles and? No, I'm oh, good yeah, to go. Welcome to it. You're all I'm right. Good to go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you might want to. You might want to hit the treadmill before we go, just to get you oh, back, yeah. in, back into running. Yeah. yeah you <laughs> might need a hug or something before we get out there to make sure. <laughs> I'll take a hug before we go. <laughs> just bring, just bring somebody that's slower. You only have to outrun one person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, yeah. think that's a, I think that's I think that's an excellent idea. And you know, even uh, if you, if anybody out there has any ideas for for certain things, feel free to feel free to shoot us at Facebook, give us a message, and uh, you know, we're always open to ideas and new suggestions. So that'd be great. Yeah, I appreciate all the love of being getting on Facebook. I think in the last like 24 hours, we've had like 100 likes on our Facebook page. So thank you to everyone oh, out there you. who uh, we've got some awesome listeners. 
Yeah, people listening, I appreciate it. So we really do appreciate that. But I don't know if I have too much more for you guys. I almost didn't, wasn't even going to do a show. I know, Will, you've been sick. I've been sick. And uh, it's coming up on the end of the year. And I almost just said, well, let's just do a show after the beginning of the first of the year. But I figured we'd throw something together for our listeners just because we've gotten so much love from everyone out there. Didn't want to leave everyone hanging. Yeah, exactly. No, people really appreciate it. I mean, I, I've seen the emails about how people want the show to be longer or more often. I thought about maybe we should do a show on the uh, burial sites that you were talking about, Will, describing the burial sites and why you think you know, that's that's not a bad idea. We could do that. And I think that's, I think that's a topic that a lot of people don't think of either. You know what I mean? I think there. I don't think most people, people don't know think. about it. Yeah, so I guess that's what I'm trying to say. You know, I didn't really know much about it until, you know, talking to you. And I never thought about it until, you know, because Renee put me onto those places, and I think he wanted to see what I thought about it because he didn't say anything. He told me how to find them, and and it's cross country. It's not like anybody can just go find these places. You had to, I had to have his directions, and then I went out and had to locate them on my own. So. And I didn't think about it for years. Even the last time I was at the sites was in 2005. Even then, I, it didn't dawn on me. And it was in a conversation or something a few years later. And I thought, you know, I wonder. And then I started thinking about it, and it made, it made more sense. So, course, yeah, I think it's still not a guarantee until we dig a couple of mud, but, you know. Yeah, I think on our next show, we should discuss uh, Sasquatch burial sites. And uh, if anyone out there has had an encounter where they have a uh, habituation site that uh, I think would be really awesome to shoot a show from their place. I mean, if anyone has anything like that going on, definitely shoot us an email, bigfoothotspot at gmail.com. But that's pretty much it, yeah. fellas. Sounds good. Sounds good. I hope you, a good idea. I hope, I hope you get to feeling better, Will. Yeah, me too. My, my throat's about ready to give out for the evening, I think. Yeah, mine too. Mine too. I'm dying here. So wish everyone, wish you and Will, and you and or Woody and Will, you wish you guys a uh, uh, happy new year and everyone out there listening, happy new year. And we'll see everyone after the first of the year.